Welcome to this episode of Catching Knowledge, where we want more than just fishing knowledge, we want catching knowledge. Today we have another great interview. Make sure to subscribe for more great content. Derek Dershua is from Missouri, like Chad Wakeman and Pat Bowden, who I interviewed a while ago. You should totally go back and listen to those interviews. Derek pro staffs for favorite fishing, JH jigs, and nitro boats. He has a lot of knowledge and fishes tournaments. But before we get started, I'd like to thank this episode's sponsor, Omaha ISR. ISR stands for Infant Swim Resource. If you are an avid angler or even a recreational boater with a small child, six months to six years to be exact, you should consider giving your child ISR swim lessons. Kids six months to one will learn how to float face up in the water and come and wait for help. When I first went on our website and watched the videos of the literal tiny children floating face up in the water, I was pretty amazed. And for children one to six, they're taught to swim until they need air, then float and rest and breathe and do it over again till they reach dry land. Your child will be given a personalized experience in a secure environment, but people there are super nice too. In my opinion, these are vital skills to make sure your day on the water is safe and fun with your kids or grandkids. You can find out more at infantswim.com. That's infantswim.com. I also link for website in the description. Now let's get going. Today I'd like to welcome Mr. Derek Dershuwite to this episode of Catchy Knowledge. Derek is from the same area of Chad Wakeman, who I interviewed earlier. Chad connected me with Derek. Derek Prostas for Nitro Boats and JH Jigs, and I'm excited to learn from him. Welcome, Derek. Thank you, Micah. Yeah, glad you're here. Let's get started. How and where did you start fishing? Well, it all began when I was uh, probably about 10 or 11 years old. I grew up down in a little town called DeSoto, Missouri. And whenever I wasn't cutting grass or cutting firewood, I'd get on my bicycle and strap my fishing rod to the back of it, my tackle box to the front, and I'd ride my bike all the way down to Joachim Creek. And I'd fish Joachim Creek for about three miles walking the bank. And then I'd ride my bike back home. And that's kind of how I got started in fishing. And then uh, I got pretty good at it. And a friend of mine asked me one time to fish with him in a team tournament because his team partner wouldn't be able to fish it. And uh, after that, I was kind of hooked on the tournament series. <laughs> so what kind of fish were in that creek you grew up fishing? There was all kinds. Sometimes you'd catch uh, some crappie, sometimes catfish, mostly largemouth bass yeah, and spotted bass and sometimes what they call a rock bass or a goggle eye. So did he say a goggle-eye? Yes, goggle-eye. Some people call them rock bass. Oh, yeah. Did you ever get tired fishing the three miles of shoreline? <laughs> Never. <laughs> I always wanted to fish more, but uh, as a rule, when I was growing up, back in those days, you didn't have a whole lot of things to worry about that we do now. And mom and dad kind of pretty much gave me free reign to go do what I wanted to do because I wasn't a troublemaker or anything. I stayed out of trouble. But one big rule was you had to be back in that yard by the time the streetlights came on. 
So it kind of kept me from traveling any farther up, you know, down the stream than I did almost three times a week. But I got to know that creek pretty well. Yeah, I bet so. Can you tell the listeners what you mainly fish for? Sure. I mainly fish for largemouth bass. There are a lot of lakes that I've fished that have largemouth, smallmouth, and spotted bass or Kentuckys. So basically in a bass tournament, we can catch the smallmouth, largemouth, and Kentuckys, but they all have a length limit, which they have to be more than 15 inches or 12 inches or whatever. Yeah. Do you tournament fish pretty often? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Not as much as I used to. I'm kind of slowing down with the age, but there was times where uh, I probably had a tournament three, maybe four times a month. Wow. Sounds fun. It is. Uh, it's, it's a lot of hard work, but it's a lot of fun hard work. So what kind of tournaments did you fish? Were they just for club tournaments? I never did get to be in a bass club or anything like that. I'm kind of one of those guys that kind of like to do my own thing. If I saw a tournament that I thought would be fun or I had a, a decent chance in, I'd go ahead and join it, get in it and fish it. But later on in life, I started fishing tournament trails like the uh, FLW uh, BFLs. I used to fish all of those. And then uh, the MLF. Uh, Phoenix series. I fished them back in the days. There was like super bass tournament trail and there was a lot. And then the fun ones were like your charity tournaments and stuff. We weren't really worried about winning money in those kind of tournaments because if we did, we pretty much gave it back anyway, but they were more for fun. So you pro staff for JH Jigs, Favorite Rods and Nitro Boats. How did you get that job? A lot of hard work. You, you basically have to prove yourself and get yourself noticed. The way you do that, there's several ways to do that. You can get yourself noticed by winning a lot of tournaments, which I didn't do. I did very well in a lot of tournaments, but I've only won a few. Being a people person, somebody that's easy to talk to and somebody that's knowledgeable of the products that they're representing and the companies they're representing pretty much uh, got my foot in the door for a lot of different things. People see that you're a good promoter and you're a good people person. They'll give you a chance. And then it just kind of blossoms from there. So what kind of jigs does J.H. Jigs make? I haven't really heard of him. J.H. Flippin' Jigs is actually a, a very good friend of mine. His name is Jim House, hence the J.H., and he just kind of started making these for himself downstairs in his basement. And I was down there goofing around with him one day. And I said, hey, why don't you make me a few of these? And he's like, oh, okay. Well, then I started doing really good in some of these tournaments. And people were asking me what I was using. And I would tell them. So then they would call him up and ask for jigs and what he could make them and things. And, and it just kind of boomed from there. He's still a little small, you know, company, but he does pump out a lot of products and uh, his attention to detail is really what will grab you. So you said flipping jigs. Is it only flipping jigs? Oh, uh, they make all jigs? kinds of stuff like swing heads. Are you familiar with those? Yeah. Okay. 
Ned Riggs, mm-hmm. Shaky Heads. Yeah. They'll make anything from uh, a little ball head finesse jig all the way up to a two ounce, you know, drag it on the bottom jig. Yeah. Is Favorite Rods like the favorite fishing company? Yes, it is. Oh, I've never heard it called that before. Yeah. Sometimes you'll see on uh, some of the websites or some of the promotions that some of these guys do, uh, some will call it Favorite Fishing, some will call it Favorite Rods USA, which is actually their their real name. Some just call it Favorite. They're based out of Missouri, actually. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, they're not too far from, uh, I'm going to say, Table Rock Lake. They're not too far from there. Wow. I hear their rods are good for the, a good price. Like, I read about it in a magazine or something, and they did, like, some of the best rods of, like, 2020 or 2021 or whatever. There was a favorite rod on there. It was, like, red, white, and blue with a cork handle. Oh, yeah, it's called a Contender. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good rod. It's a good mid-range rod. For somebody, you know, the weekend angler that likes to go out and have a lot of fun, but he wants a good rod that feels good and it's sensitive, that's a perfect rod for that. It's not too pricey. You know, it's 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 right there in a price range where, you know, somebody can afford it. So the, one, the ones that I use and the ones that I like are more comfortable with, they're called the Big Sexy. Okay. Now, my wife doesn't like the name, but... I didn't name them. I just used them. <laughs> yeah. So are those, so do you like for a feel or do you like, like the actions? Yes. The action of the rod is basically the weight, of course. It's a light yeah. rod. The parabolic bend in the rod, depending on the length, of uh, the feel of the rod and the grip you know, where your real seat and all that is, where it mounts in there, how you hold that in your hand all day long. If that becomes uncomfortable, then that's not the right rod because it doesn't fit your hand. And when you're out there fishing for eight hours competitively, that thing better feel good in your hand. Otherwise, you're not going to feel good by the end of the day. Yeah, so do you pro staff for a real company? Mm-hmm. Favorite. Favorite makes the Solus XCS and the Solux Reel. And the reels are top-notch. They're not very expensive. They're perfect for basically anybody who wants a good reel to use that's not going to fall apart on them. I didn't know they made reels, but do they also make, like, casting reels and stuff like that? They sure do. I never knew that. Yep, they make casting reels, casting rods bait casters bait casting rods yeah so t-shirts hats hoodies all kinds of neat stuff yeah so what do you do for the nitro boats do you like are you one of more of the people who promote them or do you test them or do you work on design basically when they have an event like at bass pro or something like the uh, what they call it the spring fishing classic or something I go there and basically promote the boats, talk to people about the boats, you know, the storage compartments, the, the way the boat rides, all the new setups in, in the boats and everything. 
basically I'm a glorified salesman, if you will. Do you get like a discount or something? Yes. When you're on the pro staff, you get a pro staff discount when you buy a boat. That is true. Is that a, is it a big discount? Very large discount. Yes. <laughs> like 50% or no, not that much. No, it wouldn't be that much. Yeah. Now there are some boat sales companies out there that sell nitros or they sell rangers or phoenixes or whatever. Now those companies sometimes have guys on their pro staff that they give them a boat for a year to use. And at the end of that year, it's up to that tournament pro to sell that boat. And then once he sells that boat, then he gets another new boat to be in. That sounds nice. It is until you're trying to sell a boat that nobody can afford. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> and you feel like you're going to get stuck holding that thing. What do you do if you get stuck with two boats? <laughs> I don't know. I, I've never been in that situation. And most of the guys that I know pretty much at the last minute was able to sell the boat that they had. So I think it'd be expensive paying taxes on two boats and payments on two boats. Yeah. I'm saving up for a kayak right now. I tell you what, there's a lot of guys that fish in the kayak series and bass tournaments and stuff, and they really like it. And it looks like it's kind of fun. You don't have to have a live well. You just have to take a picture of the fish on a measuring stick with your, with your name and stuff where they can see it. And that's how you get scored. The funny thing is that one of the guys was explaining it to me is they don't go by weight like we do. They go by inches. Wow. Say you catch a 16-inch bass, and then you catch a 14-inch bass, then you get 30 inches added. You have a time frame, actually. You start at this time, and you're done at this time. And however many inches you develop in that time frame goes against all the other guys, and whoever has the most inches wins. That sounds like a fun format. Yeah, it looks like it's pretty fun. Maybe I'll have to try one. Do you still fish like the MLF tournaments today? No. Last year was the last one that I fished. I'm going a different route this year. I'm going to fish the Solo Pro Series this year. We're fishing Grand Lake in Oklahoma, which we did that last weekend. And I didn't fare so well in that tournament. There's one decision in a tournament can make or break you. And the one decision that I made kind of determined what was going to happen the rest of the day for me. I made a left coming out of the cove that the tournament was going out of, and I should have made a right. But it's like the same thing where somebody flips a coin, you know, should I have called heads or should I have called tails? So I should have went right. I went left or no, I went left and I should have went right. And all the guys that went right did pretty good and they weighed in fish and all the guys that went left either only caught one or didn't catch any at all. Yeah, that's hard. Next tournament's in April. It's on Lake of the Ozarks. So I'm familiar with that lake. So I should do pretty good. What are some patterns you notice in locating fish down there? Would they favor willow trees over birch trees? Well, about the only time that it 
really gets specific is early spring or late fall. In the middle of the summer, most of your fish are going to go for either deeper water because it's cooler or they're going to position themselves in deeper water, close by deeper water, under docks, things like that. Right now, the guys are catching fish out on main lake points that the wind's blasting on and they're catching them on jerk baits. But probably within the next week or so, they're going to start moving into the backs of the coves because the spawn is going to be on. So we're catching them on like rock points on jetties? Yeah, it's uh, the rock, the point, like where you're on the main lake and then there's a cove there. On one of those points going back into the cove, that's where they're kind of hanging out right now because they're waiting for the water temperature to get a little warmer and then they're going to start moving their way all the way to the back so they can go back there and have their babies. Do they start spawning at different water temperatures in different places? They sure do. I've noticed them spawn early, what I would consider early. Like on Table Rock Lake, they'll start spawning in 45 degree temperature water. Those fish seem to be more driven by the moon phase, whereas the bass on Lake of the Ozarks, they're more kind of towards water temperature dependent. I also catch bass on rock points sometimes. Cool. So how did you meet Chad, who connected me with you? Uh, Through fishing, actually. There's a group of guys that puts on a charity event out at uh, Bush Wildlife. And Bush Wildlife shuts down a lake for us out there, and they, they stock it. And they don't let anybody fish it for quite a while. And what we do is we have a big giant barbecue out there, uh, giveaways and all kinds of neat stuff. A lot of people donate stuff that sponsor all kinds of food and, and money and everything else to put this on. We have the veterans come from the veterans hospital. They're escorted out there. They get an escort and they're bussed out there. And each one of us tournament pros that volunteer to go out there to do this are paired up with one of these veterans and it's our job throughout the day to help them catch fish or just have a good time you know other than sitting at the veterans home all day long he was there uh another good friend of ours is that person you're talking about pat bowden good old pat yeah he's nice yeah pat's a good guy there's a lot of guys that uh, donate a lot of time and effort to make this happen. And it's a really, really neat event. Do you have any favorite fishing stories? Uh, I've got a few stories. <laughs> a good friend of mine at JH Flippin' Jigs, Jim House, we like fishing these team uh, charity tournaments together all the time because we have a blast. And one time in one of the charity tournaments, I was up front and I caught this fish and he netted it for me and took it off the hook. And he goes, you keep fishing up there. I'm going to put this in the live well. And I'm like, okay. So I'm up there fishing and I hear no, 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 no splash. And I was standing there and I, he goes, you don't even want to turn around and look. 
What had happened is the fish came out of his hand and flopped across the deck and went back into the lake. Oh, yikes. Never made it into the live well. <laughs> Needless to say, we came in with four instead of a five fish limit, and we wound up in fifth place. If we had that fish, we probably would have took second. Was it a big fish, too? It was about a three-and-a-half-pounder. We joke about that all the time now. So you didn't see it? I didn't see it go in the water, no. I was, so uh, fast. I was still fishing. There was another time I was letting him run the front of the boat, and we were moving in between docks. I flipped to the back corner of this dock and got bit, and I went to set the hook. Now, it had been raining all day. My hands were frozen. They're soaking wet. And when I set the hook, the fish decided to take off the opposite direction at the same time. So the rod flew out of my hands into the lake. Oh. Luckily, that rod that I was using floats. So what? I'm laying across the back deck of the boat trying to reach back behind the boat to, to grab the handle of the rod. And every time I got close, that fish would swim a little bit. So it would pull away from me. And I'm back there going, stop, stop. Well, he thought I was talking about him. And he said, I'm not doing anything. I said, not you, the fish that has my rod. And he turned around and he saw me laying halfway in the water trying to get my fishing pole. And uh, he backed the boat up with the trolling motor and I finally grabbed it. And the fish was still on there. It was a four pounder. <laughs> wow. Get some wind grips, I guess. Definitely. Yes, sir. They make the work. grip sleeves for your real handle and the grip wrap. I haven't tried the wrap out yet. The wrap works pretty good. I used to I used to have it back when I was sponsored by a different rod company. I had all the rods wrapped, and uh, it does work pretty good, especially when your hands get wet. It grips pretty well. I don't have any of my new rods wrapped with that. Maybe I should, or maybe I should have like a, a lanyard on there wrapped around my wrist or something. <laughs> yeah. I interviewed Skeet Reese, and he says he personally doesn't like wind grips. Some guys think that they add a little too much bulk to the handle of the fishing rod. He says he doesn't like how they get sticky after <laughs> a year. We'll change them out. That's why they make more. <laughs> but what if you, with like the rod wrap, do you like tear it off or do you just keep rocking it over and over and over until so you can barely hold your rod handle? <laughs> It'd be the, about the diameter of a two liter bottle by the time you're done. <laughs> yeah. No, I just rip the old stuff off and rewrap it with new stuff. I'll have to try some of the rod wrap. Anyways, you talked about a floating rod earlier. What rod is that? Uh, back when I was sponsored by Quantum, the uh, G-Series rods uh, that were developed by G-Man, Gerald Swindell. Yeah. Those rods float. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that until that incident. Did you switch to favorite once Quantum got bought out by Luz a couple of years ago? Uh, what pushed me to go with favorite was uh, Quantum 
like most businesses do, they have to change what they're doing as far as sponsorships go because of money. So Quantum was downsizing their sponsorships. So if you weren't like one of the big tournament pros or something like that, they were either cutting your sponsorship down or dropping you altogether. And it was kind of funny because two days before I was picked up by favorite, I received a letter in the mail from Quantum letting me know that this was going to happen. And it was before tournament season even started. So it was not a big deal. Then we had the boat show in downtown St. Louis. And I seen that favorite had their big trailer in there. And I walked over there and was talking with a few of the guys and they gave me a contact to contact and send a resume to. And I did. And that's how I wound up on favorites pro staff. On Quantum, you were talking about how they were cutting people's sponsorships and making them smaller. Mm-hmm. Was that before Lou's bought them? I think it was right before Lou's bought them. I believe it was. They were trying to do everything to, to try to, I guess, save the company, save the business and that. You know, when you're a tournament angler and you have sponsors that do stuff like that, the one thing you have to learn not to do is take it personal because it's not personal. It's strictly business. And the one thing you have to keep telling yourself and remind yourself is these people are in business to make money. You're not friends. You're not buddies or anything like that. You're strictly a employee in a way, if you will, and a representative of that company. Mm -hmm. And that's why you get the things that you get and the deals that you get. And sometimes Good things have to come to an end. Do you have any advice for me as a young fisherman? You bet. Keep doing what you're doing and take notes of everything that all these guys are telling you that you're interviewing because it's going to pay off in the long run because you're going to be miles ahead of people that are just getting into this and going out and trying it, basically. You're going to have the knowledge and the understanding of, you know, what you have to do, what you're looking for, where you need to go, you know, all kinds of different things. A lot of people misunderstand fishing as you just go find a place and you throw a lure in the water and you accidentally catch a fish. They don't really understand the science behind it. So the science is the water temperature, the water level, water color, what time of year is it? the moon phases, you know, what's happened, you know, in days prior to your tournament, you know, did it rain all week? Was it cold all week? Was it warm all week? All these are factors that you have to take in consideration when trying to figure out where you're going to go catch fish. When I interviewed Denny Brower, he told me that back a long time ago, they have the Bassmaster Classics practice period, like a month before a tournament. And I thought that would make it hard because everything can change. It can. Because the Classics in springtime, most fish could have moved. True. But those guys like Denny Brower, uh, they've been doing it so long that they know that if they go to specific spots on the lake and they find fish during practice, 
if anything changes, they know what time of year it is and what those fish are going to go do. So yeah. they know where to go look for them. And the funny thing is, when you go someplace on a lake and you find schools of bass in certain areas, more than likely they live there. So they're either going to move up in the water column or down in the water column or into the back of their cove. They most of the time don't leave that area. All right, time for some rapid fire questions. We should be quick. All righty. Braid, mono, or fluorocarbon? Mostly fluorocarbon. Favorite fish to eat? Crappie. Biggest fish you ever caught? Biggest fish I ever caught was 11 pounds. It was a largemouth bass. It was on a gated community lake. Didn't get to get any pictures of it, but I had seven guys standing on the bank that were cutting up a tree that got knocked down by a storm. And I thought they were going to dive back in the lake and try to get that fish when I returned it back to the water. Huh. So how big did he say it was? 11 pounds. Oh, gosh. Yeah. At first, I thought I had a catfish. That's a pig. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pull like a tank, too. Yeah, I bet so. So did you, like, stick your hand in that its mouth when you pulled it out of the water i sure did um i didn't i didn't want to lose it yeah that's not a bass you want to boat flip no no and it was kind of funny there was some lily pads that were about four feet out from the bank and i was throwing a a bass pro sticko green pumpkin colored weightless and i threw it back behind the lily pads and i felt it go Tink, 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 like a bluegill bite. And I'm like, yeah, cotton picking bluegills. So I went to pull on it and I'm like, oh man, I'm snagged. So I'm trying to pull it and all of a sudden it starts pulling back. <laughs> so I set the hook and when I did, I, it felt like I set it in a stump because it didn't move. And it just took off, started swimming away from me. Wow. Yeah. How, how many times do you think you could have fit your hand into its mouth? I probably could have made two fists and it would have fit in or with no problem. Wow. Uh, probably a, a, a little Nerf football would have fit in there. Gosh. Smallest fish you ever caught. Yeah. Well, let's see. A baby sun perch. I accidentally snagged him on a crankbait and he was probably about an inch and a half long. Little bitty thing. Favorite lake to fish? Table Rock Lake. Favorite tourist spot in St. Louis? Favorite tourist spot in St. Louis? I would have to say Grant's Farm. That's my mom's favorite. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, so, all right, time for our last question. If you could go anywhere in the world, what would your dream catch be? Peacock bass in Brazil. Would that be on, like, a topwater? You betcha. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. I wish you luck in the future, and I hope that everything you learn from us guys, you're able to utilize when you start doing this in either a high school fishing league or college or, or whatever you decide to do. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Catching Knowledge. I would be super grateful if you would subscribe, 
write a review, or leave a rating. I'd also like to thank the Omaha ISR for sponsoring this episode. I'll link their website in the description. I want to give a huge shout out to Derek for doing the interview. I learned a lot of interesting things. But before we go, I'd like to share something. I recently caught my first bass of the season this past Sunday. I caught it on a Strike King KVD 1.5 in the color Chili Craw. And I use my favorite rod and reel, my Lose American Hero Baitcast Combo. That's a 6.6 medium heavy, spooled with 12-pound fluorocarbon. It's a great spring setup. That's all for this episode. See you next time on Catching Knowledge. Yeah. <laughs>